to pray over Brian. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray together. Father, thank you for this time together and what you've placed on Brian's heart and what he's going to present today. Lord, we pray for an anointing over this and that, God, our hearts would be open to receive all that you have. And we thank you for Brian, the ministry of the Creation Instruction Association and all that you've done in and through that. We thank you for the ministry of the museum already this weekend and what's going to happen today. And Lord, we just praise you and we thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. And we thank you now for Brian. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you welcome my friend Brian Young? Well, it is good to be here. Um, there's a lot of material that I'd like to cover here. Um, this is a message that's dear to my heart. I know I was uh, visiting with somebody here earlier out there, and he was saying how, you know, when he first became a believer, that he was able to go see some things at the Institute for Creation Research. Well, I can kind of relate to that a little bit outside of the fact that I grew up in the church. And as I grew up in the church, I believed in God. I believed He was my Lord and Savior. Um, but when I went to college, I began to see things a little differently. And I'll give you kind of an explanation of, of how that is, but it'll give you an idea of why I think this is so dear to my heart. Because I have a feeling that there's a lot of people out here that maybe have had some of the same experiences, or, or maybe you need to have that uh, same experience. Because today, there's a lot of people who believe that the creation-evolution debate is just a simple side issue. We've got more important things to worry about. What about homosexuality? The practice of that. What about pornography? Divorce? Uh, you know, the family falling apart. We need to hit those issues. Those are the things that are important. This creation-evolution thing, that's just divisive. We don't need to talk about that. Matter of fact, it's better that we don't, especially because there's a lot of people who believe in millions of years and that kind of thing, and if I talk about it, they're going to stop tithing. So there's a lot of things keeping us together, but I'm going to show you that this creation-evolution debate is actually foundational for all these other issues that we have. It's the melting pot for where all these things are coming from. There isn't a doctrine that I believe in that I don't think I can take you back to Genesis and show it to you. That it began there. There's nothing in the New Testament that wasn't there in the Old, really. I always say the Old Testament is really the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And if I would give you a definition of science, it would go something like this. It's a belief uh, about, uh, well, science here, first of all, I guess, uh, evolution. It's a belief about the past based upon words of scientists who weren't there, who don't know everything, and they're trying to explain evidence that only exists here in the present. How did it get here? Science is a total collection of knowledge gained by man's observation of the physical world around him using one or more of his five senses, taste, hearing, smell, sight, and touch, to investigate the world around them, and then you can repeat those observations. In essence, it's this. Science is what we can observe. You have to be able to test it, touch it, see it, do something with it. I got news for you guys. Evolution, it is not science. It is a faith. But I also tell people, and a lot of people are surprised by this, did you know creation is a faith? Were any of you there to see creation? No. Can you test it? 
Can you do it today? No. You see, creation is just as much of a faith as evolution is outside of the fact of this. I know somebody who was there. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. But that's the difference. But I don't believe in creation because science has proven it. I believe in creation because the Bible says it. It's that simple. We don't see evolution happening today. We don't see animals turning into people. Okay. Now, by no means is this meant to be a political statement or even a slam against President Clinton. I don't think that would be right. What I illustrate this for is this. I believe that he is a very intelligent human being that is loved by God. I might disagree with some of his politics, his moral values, and things like that, but evolution is trying to tell you that all this is, is you just got to lose your hair, maybe, you know, get a smaller nose or one that protrudes out a little bit more and change some shape, and now you got evolution and, and monkey has turned into man. No, there is a vast difference between a man and an animal. For one thing, he's a spiritual creature. The other, that's just a creature. You see, we were created in the triune image of God. We were body, soul, and spirit. A monkey, body, soul, that's it. Now, maybe I've just kind of surprised some of you that, whoa, 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 did you just say that animals have souls? Yeah, I did, because the Bible says it. The word for soul is nephesh in the Hebrew. And we see that right there at the beginning in creation, the nephesh is put into animals. Okay, it's there. Uh, it's kind of interesting when we look at the days of creation. You know, everybody says God created the sun. Well, yes and no. He didn't create the sun. He made the sun. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word create means to make out of absolutely nothing. You guys cannot create a thing. You can make a cake, but you can't create one. You see, you're using things that have already been in existence to make a cake. So in the beginning, God created. Do you know that we don't see that word create used again in day one? He separates the light and the darkness. Day two separates the waters. Day three Day four, there is no word create used. Go look in your Bible. It's not until day five that that word create is used again. Why? Because after in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth, all the things he needed to form and fashion the sun and the moon and, and the plants and all these things, on day five something new had to be brought into existence that wasn't there before. What was it? Life. Life came into existence. One of the big questions, you know, where did life come from? I can tell you right there in Genesis chapter 1. On day 5, he created something new that was not there had to be brought into existence. And then we come to day 6. In day 6, we see he makes man in his own image. In the image of God, he creates man. He not only makes, but he Creates. You see, he already had the stuff, the dirt that he could, you know, needed to make man. He made him. He already had life to make him a living creature. But there was something unique about man that was different than the animals. God breathed the breath of life, his spirit, into us 
And we became unique. You see, we are triune. An animal is not. Evolution isn't just about genetics, folks. It's about a spiritual thing. It's that simple. If it's not observable in the present, it is not science. That's the bottom line. Now, I find bones and things like that. I've been on dinosaur digs, and when I dig up a bone, you know what? It doesn't come with a Polaroid telling me what the landscape looked like at the time. It doesn't come with a diary telling me who it liked to hang out with on Friday night or what it liked to eat. All I know is it's dead, and it didn't even tell me that. I just assumed that because it was in my hand. I'm holding the bones in my hand, right? Science, what we observe, the bone, doesn't tell us much. We have to interpret that evidence of how it died, when it lived, who it hung out with. A big difference between the two, but when you go to museums and that, that's what we see, they, they tell you all of these things that are unobservable, which are not science. It's that simple as well. Now, we do find things like woolly mammoth. Uh, in the museum, you'll see some woolly mammoth tooth, uh, teeth. One of them is an actual woolly mammoth tooth. It is not fossilized. It is the actual tooth out of a woolly mammoth in Alaska. Now, in these rare circumstances, we can see things from the past, based on what we observe, like we find woolly mammoths standing frozen, upright. The food that they were eating is still in their teeth, even undigested in their stomachs. Now I have some science to tell you what woolly mammoth ate, because I can see it. You can even smell it. So now we have some science. So there are some rare circumstances like that, but when it comes to evolution, we don't have anything that supports evolution scientifically. Like I said, evolution, though, is a belief about the past based upon the words of scientists who weren't there, who don't know everything, who are trying to explain all these things we see in the present. How did they get here? That's not science. To be 100% correct about anything, you need to have a couple of requirements. One, you need to have been there. Were you there, as I said, at creation? No. Well, then there's another choice that could help, and that is this. Are you omniscient? Do you know everything? Now, some of us might think we do, but if we're honest, no, we don't, right? We don't know everything. So, this is why I say, if you weren't there and you don't know everything, it can't be science. Creation is a faith, just as much as evolution, outside of this. I know somebody who was there. I know somebody who does know everything. The God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, our creator, our savior, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And he even left me a record. It's called the Bible. But today, people aren't believing the Bible. We don't trust the word of God. By the way, that's what Jesus is, right? The word of God. That's why he was there at creation, because how were things created? He spoke things into existence. The word was there. And yet we have the Bible, the Word of God, and we say, no, I don't like that part. I believe this part, but not that part. You've been somehow given a license to pick and choose which part of the Word, Jesus, you like and don't like. As Pastor Weller said, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and always. We're going to visit that verse here again. I like to ask people, Ken Ham is great with doing this as well, how many of you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin Mary? 
Good. How many of you believe that he walked on water? Turned water into wine? Took a man's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane that Peter had cut off, picked it up off the ground, and stuck it back on the guy's face. Well, probably on the side of his head, I should say, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I can go around the world, I can talk about that, and people go, yes, 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 amen, we believe that. And then I can ask this question, how many of you believe the earth was created in six 24-hour days just a few thousand years ago? And all of a sudden, maybe 20% of the hands will go up. Why? Well, science has proven that wrong. Science has proven the earth can't be 6,000 years old. Science has proven evolution is true. The dating methods have shown the earth is old. So your Bible cannot be right in Genesis. Well, I got news for you guys. This is the same hermeneutics, the way we interpret Scripture. Do you know that it has been proven scientifically that you cannot walk on water? Do you know what's been proven scientifically? You can't be born of a virgin. You cannot pick up a man's ear and stick it back on his face or anywhere else on his head without a long process of surgery and everything else, right? We believe in miracles all the time from the Word of God in the New Testament, but somehow we have separated the Word of God and we have said, now in the old, it's different. Apparently, science rules the old. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there isn't science to support creation. I think there is. I think there's more to support creation than there is evolution by, a, by hands down. But what I'm saying is I don't care if science supports creation or not. The Bible says it's true. I believe it. That's what counts. You see, I brought a gas with me here today. It's called sulfur hexafluoride. You guys have heard me speak. You know what I sound like. But what if I came in here sounding something like this? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that beginning was millions of years ago, before God put man on the earth. I would hope that you would think that this sounds weird. Something's wrong with this man. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, my voice will come back in a couple of weeks. You might get a little bit of it here and there, but uh, no. A couple of breaths, it'll be out. You see, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. They follow me. Somehow today in the church, there have been a lot of people who cannot recognize the word of God. We hear things because we've been brainwashed by hearing it over and over and over that we just accept it without even processing it. We hear words like prehistoric, Woolly mammoths and dinosaurs, those are prehistoric creatures. Really? Do you know that that word prehistoric is a new word? It was invented so that you would believe in long periods? It wasn't even in our early dictionaries. The word prehistoric means before history. My Bible records history from the beginning. There is no such thing as prehistoric. But we believed it because you heard it so many times. You know, sports, sports are great. I, I played them, I loved them. Um, I think you should play them. 
How many of you heard sports builds character? Okay, very good. How many of you believe that sports builds character? Okay, just another example of how you've been brainwashed. Yeah. Now, I know that might upset some of you, but I'm going to prove it, and you're going to think, oh, man, I can't believe I believed that. But you've heard it so many times you believed it to be true. Here, let me fix this. I'm going to unbrainwash you. If sports builds character, the most, uh, the most character-filled people in the United States should be the NFL and the NBA. Yeah, I know we have characters... But it doesn't seem to build character. You see, the Bible says it's God's word that builds character, isn't it? Now, again, I'm not against sports. Just don't believe the lie that they are what build character. It's the word of God, which is why, typically, if you have an athlete that has character, they're Christians, aren't they? Yeah. But again, we've all been brainwashed. Now, Especially if I was outside a church here and I hadn't set you up and I asked that question, you'd have probably gone to the death of saying, no, sports does build character. Because we don't stop to measure everything we believe against the Word of God. Well, Ken Ham used to say this, you know, no matter how much you know, there's always an infinite amount more to know, which means no matter how much you know, you don't know how much more there is to know anyway, which means you don't know how much you do or don't know, which means you just don't know much at all. <laughs> Did you follow that? It basically is saying this, no matter how much we know, there's so much more to know. When I'm visiting with an atheist, they say, there is no God. I think to be an atheist, you have to be the most arrogant person alive. Because to say there is no God means you know everything. And I say, do you know all the information there is to know the entire universe? Well, of course not. How about 90% of it? No. I mean, most of the time you'll get them down to 10%, which is hilarious in itself. But even if, they, if I give them that they have 10% of all knowledge, that means there's 90% of knowledge out there that you don't have a clue about. Do you suppose in the 90% of knowledge that's out there that you don't know there could be evidence God exists? See, you're not an atheist, you're an agnostic. The best you can be is you don't know if God exists. That's the best you can be. There is no such thing as an atheist. There is no God. Science has continued to change. You know, eggs are good for you. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yet I don't know whether I can eat eggs or not. It constantly changes. You can pick up a newspaper all the time. They're saying this is older than they thought or this has been changed. Do you know God's word, though, does not change? It is the same yesterday, today, and always? Yeah. Because we in science continue to find new information that is then interpreted that gives us a different understanding of what we thought before. Scripture is not like that. It shouldn't be. However, somehow in church, we are kind of making the Word of God moldable, but that's because we're not letting the Bible interpret the Bible, we're letting science interpret the Bible. And not even science, but the interpretations of science. The Bible is the key to the past. Do you know that Genesis is found 200 times in the New Testament? Every New Testament author quotes it at least one time. Jesus himself quotes it many times. 
Why is a book that's considered to be so important in Jesus' day now in our society one of the most mocked out, scoffed out, chewed up, spit up books that we have? I think the answer is this. Because the devil knows that if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see, Genesis is a foundation, and I'm not going to get time to talk about it today, about all how it is, but who wrote Genesis? Moses did. That's what Jesus said. Moses wrote Genesis through the inspiration of God, obviously. But John says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. You might say, in Genesis. He says, If you believe not Moses, if you can't believe Genesis, you're not going to believe my words either. That simple. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one would rise from the dead. Guys, we live in a society that has rejected Genesis. And as a result of rejecting Genesis, they've rejected Jesus and all of Scripture, all the morality that comes with it. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You read the book of Judges. Do you know what it says? The last verse in the book of Judges says if they, when they had no king to tell them what to do, they all did what was right in their own eyes. Today, our king, our creator, has been dethroned. And as a result, we're doing what's right in our own eyes what we want, what we desire, not what the Word of God says. Many people don't realize that our foundation is Genesis. You build a solid structure on a solid foundation, it lasts for a long time, but you build a shaky, or a, a, a shaky foundation, a solid structure on top of that, it comes down anyway. The foundation of Genesis is there for all of our doctrines. And as soon as you make Genesis and get rid of that as your foundation, you might say a keystone, everything else is going to come down. I'm almost out of time here, so I'm not going to get to, to the testimony of what happened here in my life and how that all happened, but I'll tell you this, the fact that a creator exists means something. It means he made you, he made me, he sets the rules, and therefore we abide by those rules. If evolution is true, you're a product of chance by lightning-striking primordial soup millions and billions of years ago, then you make up your own rules. You do what you want, when you want. You're just a product of chance. It matters, guys. Jeffrey Dahmer, he said this. This is a serial killer. He said, if a person doesn't think there's a God to be uh, accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. I always believed the theory of evolution is truth, that we all just came from the slime. When we died, you know, that was it. There's nothing. This is one of my favorite stories. I'd love to show you the interview, but I don't have time. Bottom line, I believe I'm going to be in heaven with Jeffrey Dahmer. I was able to be at the prison and where he was at there in Wisconsin about a month before he was killed in prison. This man had professed faith in Jesus Christ. In the interview, he talks about getting a creation magazine and how that he realized this very thing, that he wasn't just slime, he wasn't a product of chance, but he was created and loved by God, and that meant there was a Savior. As I said in Bible study, guys, the fact that a creator exists is important because that means he made you, you fell into sin, you could then cause death, disease, and suffering, you as human beings. Death and suffering was the punishment of sin. You can't have death without man sinning to bring punishment. 
That means death is a punishment. It's not natural. It's not just something that happens, which is why Jesus came to die on the cross rather than proclaiming from heaven, I forgive you. He had to come and take your punishment for you. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins, Hebrews 9.22. You see, that's what creation means. It means there's a God who created, who sets the rules. It means there's original sin, which means the cross is valid. That's that simple again. Now, I don't want to put you guys under the law and saying, hey, we have to do all of these things. There's so many things that I'd love to share with you. But I'll close on this. We have freedom from Jesus. And many Christians find it hard. Because I I saw a show, I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was just, I didn't even see the whole thing. I don't even know what it was talking about. But there was a phrase that just hit me. The moral of the thing is, or basically the background is... This father was a serial killer. They arrest him. 20 years later, they think they've got the the serial killer, all of these kind of things. His son is visiting him in prison. And we find out the father wasn't the serial killer. The son was, but the father took the rap for the boy. And the boy is having such a hard time controlling his urges. And the father looks at him and he says, I died for you. Are you finding it too hard to be free? That just hit me. You know, we as Christians, our Father Jesus, He died on the cross for us. And yet we find it too hard to be free. Free to stand on the Word of God. Free to to be joyful and, and proclaim from the mountaintops the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is our Creator, our Savior. We should be proud to stand on scriptures, but instead, we find it hard to stand on those scriptures. We find it hard to be separate from the world. My prayer for you is that it's not so hard to be free. Think of what Jesus has done for us because he is your creator, your savior, and he died a meaningful, purposeful death on the cross for you. Like I said, I don't have time to get into how this fits with many of our doctrines of even marriage and homosexuality and abortion and all of it. How creation is that melting pot. But I think you can see that it's important to believe the Word of God. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the Word. I thank you that it became flesh and dwelt among us. And I thank you that that Word now is in us. May we take that to the bank. May we consider that truth and never doubt your promises, not just in Genesis, but in the New Testament as well. If we can't trust you with creation, we can't trust you with our salvation. And if we can't trust you with our salvation, we can't trust you in our day-to-day lives. Help us with our unbelief. Let us not try being God and saying we know more than you do. Lord, I pray for our children that they would have a discerning spirit and that they too would be able to stand firm proudly, joyfully on your word. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.